Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. I'm way over here because I forgot to put my calendar. I don't know when it is. Do you know when it is? Oh, look at that. It's a tabby cat in a Santa hat. That's right. Cat calendar. Kittens in the kitchen, don't you know? With Dinah. Someone's in the kitchen? Someone's in the kitchen with dinner? Uh, welcome to Electric Leftovers. That's quite enough stalling out of you. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Jason. As I said, this is episode 249. How you doing? We are into uh, December. Um, that is the... Uh, well, that's the, that's the month where it all comes together. Is it? No. Since last we spoke, though, a couple of things have come together, like No Escape, Steel Talons, and Lethal Enforcer in the uh, forums for our soundtracks. Space Quest 2, or excuse me, Space Quest 2 and Spawn Armageddon are our soundtracks. Steel Talons, No Escape, and Lethal Enforcer are the 365 days of the Super Nintendo Project, and new videos are from me. It is Legend of the Ghost Lion. Uh, Jade has asked us to play good games with bad box art and Legend of the Ghost Lion. We talked about that last time. It's the game I picked. There are two episodes of it available uh, for your perusal. It's going to run most of the month. Um, I think it'll be done. It'll be done before Christmas, so everybody can have a little. Uh, a little break, as it were. A little bit of nothing to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you do. You know exactly what I'm saying. Because you've been following along the whole time. There we go. Uh, Legend of the Ghost Lion. Anything else? Uh, not really. Um, as I believe I mentioned, not that anybody cared, but I am kind of sort of taking the month off. I've got the monthly all done. So that's going to be uploading throughout the month. Of course, we're going to finish the 365 stuff. I've got the podcast to do. And I'm not working on any projects hardcore. Um, real heavy projects. Like I've been working on in the last couple of months. I'm, you know what? We're just playing. We're just playing to have fun, really. I am I am working on videos, but I'm not going to overwork. Uh, I This is actually probably the month that I should overwork because... It's hard to do a lot of groundskeeping when it's wintertime. Because, <laughs> you know, you don't have to mow the lawn. And uh, you don't have to uh, shovel the snow all the time. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. So, yeah, that's kind of what's going on with that. Of course, I've got new stuff I will be working on. And um, all of that kind of thing. But, man, this is the intro. It's just going on and on. It never really ends, does it? No, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> And we'll move on to the rest of the show.
After Mario and Luigi save Princess Peach, the Mushroom Retainers and the Mushroom Kingdom from the evil King Koopa's evil spell, uh, Bowser kidnaps her with the Mushroom Retainers and invades the Mushroom Kingdom again. This time, Mario and Luigi have to travel in many different and dangerous worlds of the kingdom to rescue the princess and the inhabitants from the false Bowsers. Though the lands seem very familiar to Mario and Luigi, they are much more dangerous and inhabited by more enemies than they had ever experienced before. Despite that, the Mario brothers go through the nine new lands of the Mushroom Kingdom, fighting the Koopa Troop and false Bowsers in each castle when freeing the Mushroom Retainers until they reach the real Bowser in Princess Beach. After that, they defeat him and rescue the fair princess once more. The original version of this game was released on the FDS in 1986. This is Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels, uh, the Mario All-Stars version, uh, developed and published by Nintendo, released in 1993. It is the 16-bit version of the Super Mario Brothers 2 game, which of course we went through all that crap the other time. And um, it is the sequel to Super Mario Brothers, and I decided to play this one, the All-Stars version, even though I really prefer the original, um, just for something new. It is, of course, uh, it is, of course, as I was saying, uh, part of the Mario series and was not included in the um, NES Atlas because it was not released in America at the time. Uh, but just for the sake of completion, I went ahead and did it anyway. So, uh, there it is. It's, um, how many episodes was it? Click back. Uh, eight episodes, one episode per world. Not looking forward to doing the review this week just because um, everybody loves this game and it does tend to make the numbering conventions here are so weird Super Mario Advance 4 Super Mario Brothers 3 because it's the fourth Super Mario Advance game even though it's Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, we're doing Mario Brothers 3 and everybody loves this game and I think it's, it's alright it's not my favorite Mario but yeah I'm looking 
almost universally five stars across the board. Um, we're gonna we're gonna just do this one because it's the lowest one I can find, and um, then we'll have one of our our usuals. So let's start a decent, if uninspiring, sequel that just feels hollow after the perfection that was Super Mario Brothers 2. A Super Mario Brothers 3 review by Falsequius. After the brilliantly made Super Mario Brothers, this is 2000, by the way, year 2000, Super Mario Brothers 2, I certainly had high hopes for its sequel, Super Mario Brothers 3. Of course, when anyone plays a game with expectations of getting exactly what one got from the previous game, well, uh, you will be disappointed. Just compare the Final Fantasy 7 and 6 reviews. So what does SMB3 do wrong? Well, pretty much everything, but luckily it doesn't do anything that wrong. The first thing that I didn't like was that you are back to only being either Mario or Luigi, unlike in SMB2 where you can be any of four characters. I really liked the variety of the characters in SMB2. It allowed you to play one level any of four different ways, which greatly increases the replayability of the game and adds some strategy as to which character to play. In SMB3, you are either Mario or Luigi. They're pretty much the same, no differences in the way they play. The gameplay is a much better from that was introduced in the first Mario. The improvements are many here. First, they added the ability to go up or back to the left. Most of the gameplay is based on the first game, which it didn't feel was that great a game to start with. However, there are many great improvements, such as an added leaf item that allows you to fly or other costumes, such as the frog suit. These add a lot to the game, but they just weren't as common as they leaf to make much of a difference to the overall game. For example, you mostly only get the frog suit in the toad house, and if you get hit in a level, you lose it, so they never really have time to add to the game. The best part of the game is the two-player element combined with the map feature. They placed all the levels on a map and you decide where to go. It allows some interesting decisions as one player won't want to pass a certain level which would let the other player get to a bonus such as a toad house. Graphically, the game is another small step up from the last game, but nothing spectacular. Overall, it's a fine game, but it just left me flat after the wonderful SMB2, returning to the classic gameplay that I was glad they had left behind. Oh well. This game gets a 6, because although it isn't a bad game, I just wish it had been quite a bit different. So I... I look, I don't love Super Mario Bros. 3. I know everybody does. Uh, it's kind of one of those things... I think Mario 3 was the first Mario for a lot of people, just like... Um, Symphony of the Night, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, uh, Final Fantasy VII were the first Castlevanias and Final Fantasies for certain people. I think a lot of people got into Super Metroid because Super Metroid's great. It was more approachable than Metroid, but I do think it was also a lot of people's first, um, first exposure to Metroid games. And then you had a whole other generation where it was like fusion. I don't dislike Super Mario Bros. 3. I just don't think it's as fun as the other games. It's quite a bit longer. It does have a lot more content, but it does take longer to get through for that reason. And, you know, you got the warp whistle so you can speed it up, but then you're missing out on a lot. I think it's a fine game. I don't think it's a great game. I don't think it should have been more like Super Mario Brothers 2, like um, Falsequius here, but I don't think it's terrible. The Two Brothers Masterpiece. 
This one's from Zylo. Back in 1981, one arcade game got released called Donkey Kong. It was about a man who had to jump over barrels and climb on ladders to rescue his girlfriend from the evil monkey Donkey Kong. The game was a big success, so the game company Nintendo decided to make a sequel called Donkey Kong Jr. This time it was the man from the original who had captured the great Donkey Kong, and it was up to DK's son to rescue his father from the red-dressed man. I'm sure this has something to do with Mario 3. Stick with me. But the red-dressed mustache man's journey to become the number one video game character didn't stop there. Nintendo really liked the man, so they decided to let him be in another game. This time he got his name in the title of the game, and this was also the first time we got to see his brother. Since you are reading this review, you obviously know which character I'm talking about. Yes! Everybody, it's the referee from Punch-Out! But it wasn't until 1985 that this man and his brother became famous. The two plumbers had in some way traveled to the Mushroom Kingdom. They embarked on a journey to save the princess of Mushroom Kingdom from an evil walking reptile. Because not all reptiles do that. Some of them ride bikes. The two brothers could eat mushrooms to get bigger, and if they ate a flower, they could shoot fireball against the evil reptile's underlings. But it was their ability to stomp all enemies in their way to reach the goal of each stage. I, something that was the whole sentence. The two brothers managed to rescue the princess from the evil reptile, but just like any quality villain, the evil reptile swore to return one day. While this Super Mario Brothers wasn't the first game the two brothers appeared in, it was the game that started the whole legend of Super Mario. As you might have guessed, Super Mario Brothers is a game where Bowser returns, and this time he got seven of his evil, I think he left out a number, seven of his evil children with him to create ever more chaos. While Mushroom Kingdom hasn't been attacked yet by the evil hordes of Bowser Koopa, seven other kingdoms have been invaded by the Koopas. To prevent any rebels, each Koopa kid have used a magic spell to turn each king of the seven kingdoms to an animal. Princess Toadstool of the Mushroom Kingdom can no longer ignore this matter and sends her two best men to get the magic wands from each Koopa kid to turn the kings back to their human bodies so, and also make the Koopas leave the other kingdoms alone. Will Mario and Luigi be up for the challenge? While Super Mario Bros. 2 is a very different from the first game, the third game can be called an upgrade from the first one. The first thing that you notice is that each stage has an overworld map, which means that it's now possible for the player to choose which stages he wants to play and which stages he don't wish to play on. On each world map, there are also at one fortress, which are usually much harder than regular stages, and there's a mini boss at the end of the fortress. There are also a few mushroom houses where Mario and Luigi can get different power-ups to bring on their quest. At the end of each overworld map, there's a castle, which is the goal that the player should reach to get to the stage boss. The gameplay is really simple in this game, just like how it's in every good Mario game. You select one stage on the world map and then you warp to that stage. You are supposed to get to the goal of each stage and you can kill most of the enemies by jumping on them. If you jump under some blocks, you will find mushrooms, which makes Mario or Luigi bigger when they touch them, and they can also take on hit from the enemies. If the player then finds another special block to jump under, then either a magical leaf or a fire flower appears. Just like in Super Mario Brothers, the fire flower allows the two Mario Brothers to shoot fireballs, with the new magical leaf allows them to get a tail. Logical, isn't it? And they can either use the tail as a whip or they can use it to fly at a, if they jump at a high speed. Even more logical, everyone knows that humans can't fly because we don't have a tail. You will later in the game find even more power-ups. For example, the unforgettable green toad suit, which makes Mario or Luigi much easier to control when they are underwater, or the Hammer Brothers suit, which allows them to throw hammers on the enemies instead of fireballs. 
Another thing Nintendo have improved in this game compared to the previous Super Mario Bros. games is the multiplayer mode. Only one of the players have to beat a stage in this game, unlike the previous once, where player had Player 2, excuse me, had to finish all the stages Mario had just finished. It's also possible at any time when you are playing with a friend to challenge him to a duel in the classic Mario Brothers game. Well, this is completely optional, but it can be fun to do something else when you and your friend have got to the final stages and wants to do something different, but still don't want to turn of the nest. Xylo, I miss you sometimes. When Super Mario Bros. 3 was released, it was already decided that it would be the best game on the NES. But Super Mario Bros. 3 is also one of the few games that actually lived up to the hype it got. It's still considered to be to be one of the best absolute best games on any system. Long live the Super Mario Brothers. Xylo gave it a 5. Thanks, Xylo. That was a... I, you know, what What do you even say to that? What do you even say to that, really? I don't know. News time, everybody. Our lead story is, ew. David Paul Whipperman, 61, of Largo, Florida, was taken into custody November 21st in response to a road rage altercation a few weeks before, the Tampa Bay Times reported. According to arrest reports during the incident, Whipperman left his truck and approached a woman driving a Kia sedan. She rolled down the window and apologized to Whipperman, who then spit the food he was chewing into her face, and some of it went into her mouth, the report said. Next, he allegedly opened her driver's side door and began screaming at her, pointing his finger in her face. He was charged in Pinellas County with felony battery and burglary of an occupied vehicle and held on $12,500 bail. Is it burglary? Did he steal the car? Wasn't mentioned. And that's a weird bail number. Why 12-5? Why not just 12? Or 13? Picky Picky in Boca Raton, Florida, two Floridas back-to-back. A robber approached a Wells Fargo bank branch teller with a very specific request on November 18th, reported WPLG. Sandy Hawkins, 73, entered the bank that morning and told the teller, This is a robbery. I have a weapon. And he put his hand in the waistband to indicate a gun, according to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office arrest report. The teller started counting out $100 bills, eventually totaling $2,000, the affidavit said. But Hawkins explained that was too much money. He only wanted 1100 
Authorities said the teller made the adjustment, slid the bills through the window to Hawkins, who left the bank. When detectives caught up with him the next day, he told them, I'll make this easy, and showed them a note he had written, which read, Give me $1,100. Now, no alarms, hope to get caught. He was booked into the Palm Beach County Jail on robbery charges. I wonder if there's a, like, if it's over $1,000, it's different. Could be. Who knows? Bright ideas. Uh, not Florida. Sorry. Elementary and middle school students in Bandung, Indonesia, have been spending too much time with their smartphones. Oh, I heard about this, according to Mayor Oded Muhammad Danal, who has come up with a clever distraction. In mid-November, authorities began distributing 2,000 baby chicks in cages with sign that reads, signs that read, Please take good care of me. AFP reports, these students will be required to feed their pets before and after school and can keep them on school premises if they don't have space in their backyard. The Nile said the Chick Project, dubbed Chickensation, Alright, I hadn't heard that. I like that. Is part of a larger endeavor by President Joko Widodo to broaden students' educations. There's an aspect of discipline here, said Denial. Meanwhile, 8th graders at the Payatas district north of Manila in the Philippines have come up with a way to help rid the city's streets of dog feces and maybe even lower local construction costs. The bio bricks they've developed are made of 10 grams of poop, which the students collect and air dry, and 10 grams of cement powder. Reuters reported this on November 20th. The students say their bricks can be used for sidewalk pavements or small structures such as backyard walls. They admit the bio bricks have a faint odor, but assert that it will fade with time. You know, you think about ignoring the, the, the poo for a moment. We all are familiar with concrete, some form or another. You've used it, you've licked it, you've fallen down on it, you've made it, you've said it, whatever. Um, there's like a whole other sub-genre of concrete called aircrete, which incorporates foam. Like, you can, you can go to, you make some foam up with, um, like shampoo, and you mix it all in, and you get an almost as dense, almost as strong, but with quite a bit less weight, um, material once it's all dried out. It's interesting stuff. Look it up. Compelling explanations. In Bainbridge Township, Ohio, a 60-year-old man called police on October 22nd after firing two warning shots into his backyard. W-O-I-O reported. The unnamed man told officers he was trying to scare an animal away, but when asked if it might have been a bear, he said, Ain't no bear because it was jiggling my doorknob. The homeowner went on to tell police the animal had to be Bigfoot because it was 17 feet tall and comes to his home every night because neighbors feed it bananas. He also speculated that a woman who was missing from the area was taken by the creature. However, officers found no large animal tracks in his yards and suggested he call again if he witnesses anything suspicious. Meanwhile, stories of multitasking. As college student Morgan Taylor got her nails done in a High Point, North Carolina salon on November 20th, she was shocked when one of the nail technicians spread out a tarp on the shop floor and began butchering meat with what appeared to be a kitchen knife. I asked them what it was because just seeing them unfold flesh and bones was a little bit shocking, Taylor told the WFMY. They said it was deer meat and they were splitting it up between the workers to take home. 
that had already been skinned and they were sectioning it. Taylor reported the shop to the North Carolina Board of Cosmetic Art Examiners, which told WFMY it's, quote, inspectors have not received a complaint within memory of butchering in a cosmetic shop. It declined to comment further on the opening investigation. It's probably a thing. I mean, would you go there? Like, I mean, get my toes done and watch them butcher a moose. <laughs> Be great. Stories of wait, what? Zhang Binshang, 30, of Harbin, China, finally sought a doctor's attention after three months of struggling to breathe through his nose, Metro News reported in early November. Zhang told the doctors at the fourth affiliated hospital of Harbin Medical University that he couldn't sleep and also had a constant smell of decay in his nostrils. X-rays revealed Zhang had a tooth stuck in his nostril. The, the tooth, which Zhang had lost when he was 10 years old after a fall from a third floor of a mall, somehow rerooted and continued to grow in his nasal cavity. Oh my goodness. It was removed in a brief surgery and he is said to be recovering. My goodness. That's weird. I mean, it's news of the weird, but that's weird. What was the last time I said something? It was at the cake thing. Remember that? In a courthouse, some guy like eating a lady's cake. I don't know. Weird science. Beware medical advice derived from Instagram. We always say. Metaphysical Megan, who boasts nearly 10,000 followers on the social media site, is advocating a new ancient Taoist practice that has been around for a while. Uh, oh yeah, this. Perennium sunning. Well, uh, first of all, if it's ancient, it probably has been around for a while, Megan. Many of you have been asking about the benefits of this practice, she writes. 30 seconds of sunlight on your butthole is the equivalent of a full day of sunlight with your clothes on. She goes on to say she has experienced energy surges, better sleep, and more creativity, reports IFLScience.com, along with myriad other improvements. Scientists point out that while sunlight and taking some time to relax are healthful, there is no evidence that sunlight has to be taken as a suppository. I want to know the metrics she was using to measure the difference between 30 seconds of sun on your hinder as opposed to just being dressed. Like, were there two people just standing there? Someone's like, well, how do you feel? I feel great. This is amazing. How do you feel? Yeah, pretty good. Aha! Science. <laughs> we have a title. We have a title. Good, I was hoping for one. Great Art, a Japanese man who goes by the name Kawami Japan on YouTube, has chronicled his novel approach to fashioning a very personal engagement ring, the Mirror reported on October 25th. For 365 days, the man has collected his fingernail clippings, which he then ground into a fine powder and mixed with water in a pan. After compressing the mixture, he baked it in an oven for 90 minutes, which resulted in what looked like a lump of dark clay. The substance was packed into a diamond-shaped mold and then mounted into a four-pronged silver ring, which he also made himself. The finished ring features a dull black stone, and social media followers were unimpressed, but you can't say he didn't put a little bit of himself into the ring. Thanks, Lemire. Shut up. Um, real quick aside, I cannot tell you the name of the channel, because I believe it is in Japanese. Uh, there is a channel on YouTube of a gentleman who makes knives out of just stuff. Uh, the first one I saw him do was a knife made out of cardboard. He's done knives out of plastic, plastic bottles, rice, 
Um, he made a knife out of chocolate. He made a knife out of wood. I saw him make a knife out of various different stones and the the process is really good and he's got um like little cow watering jugs with googly eyes on them and it's just worth it just for that Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Electric Leftovers. I hope you had a nice time listening to the show. Ignore the ding. You hear no ding. Uh, thank you again for listening. If you would like to check out any of the videos or anything else that we talk about here on the show, including the playlist uh, that you listen to in between the segments, um, you can do so at lowbiasgaming.net. Uh, and if you would like to support the show financially by kicking over some, you know, tip jar kind of a thing, you can do so at patreon.com slash Jason's Groove Machine. How great is that going to be? Pretty great, some might say. Some might say otherwise. Who cares? Um, what else we got? Anything else new to talk about? No, don't think so. So I'm just going to let you go. Y'all stay warm. Y'all have a good day. And I will talk to you next week.
Brought to you by... Electric Leftovers is a low-bias gaming production. Low-bias gaming. We play games.